The May series uh, is over. Uh, we're not going to be, you don't have to send the kids out of the room. Uh, we're not going to talk about sex anymore. <laughs> Any more this year. So, uh, we're going to start a new series, um, two series that we're going to, are going to take us to the end of the year. Uh, the first series will go over the next month or so. Um, we will be in the book of Jude, uh, which is where we're going to start today. The book of Jude. Um, following that, we're going to begin a series that's going to take us through the book of Ruth. And, and that will take us through the end of the year. Um, but over the next month, we'll be in the book of Jude. I've been praying about this. Um, this is actually our, our, our first series that is independent to white note, which means that Lexington is not doing this. So um, we're going to be in the book of Jude. Uh, I want you to, if you have your Bibles, turn to it, find it. Uh, if you are looking for Jude and you are seeing Genesis, then I want you to come up for prayer right after the sermon. Um, <laughs> Jude is at the very end of the Bible, uh, right before Revelations. It is the last book of the Bible right before Revelations. Um, Jude is the, he announces himself as the servant of Christ and the brother of James. Uh, the servant of Christ and the brother of James. But James is the brother of Jesus. So historians believe that Jude also is the brother of uh, of Jesus. It's a very powerful book. Only 25 verses, one chapter, 25 verses, but a very powerful book nonetheless. And we're going to go through it over the next month or so. So uh, we're going to look at Jude, uh, the first chapter, the only chapter, uh, the first two verses. Uh, I'm going to look at a, a couple of different versions that I want you to see. Uh, this is the NLT. I can't read this up. Uh, the NLT, uh, it says that this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. That is the NLT. Uh, the next one that we want to look at is the ASV. It says Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to them that are called Beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy unto you and peace be loved and multiplied. Uh, the last one that we're going to look at, the King James. It says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. We're going to pull uh, our topic and our launching point from the King James, the three words that he uses. Uh, King James isn't special. What we're really leaning on is the Greek, uh, the true Greek meaning of it. Uh, but in the first verse, it says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. And so today we're going to talk about being sanctified preserved, and called. 
Um, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this moment, uh, the chance to hear from you. Uh, God, our expectation is from you, um, especially in these moments. Um, God, we just ask that you we ask that you forgive us of our sins, wash us with your forgiveness, Heavenly Father. Uh, and God, use us for your glory. Speak to our hearts, God. Speak to our hearts. Uh, we need to hear from you. Um, our expectation is from you, um, and mine as well. Uh, I don't have the words for your people, but you do. Uh, we ask that you speak those words through your servant. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to talk about sanctified, preserved, and called. And so Jude, I want you to know, is taking us through what is a process, an assembly line, if you will, uh, that begins after you have already given your life to God. And so he's not talking to people that don't know Jesus. He's not talking to uh, people who don't already have a relationship with God. The people that, he are, that he's talking to um, are people that have already experienced salvation. They have already ex- accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, as have most of us. And so, but I want you to know that once you give your life to God, that that is not the end all. You've given your life to God, and some of you may be thinking, well, what next? What do I do now? I've given my life to God. I'm trying to be a good person. Uh, That is only the beginning. God wishes to take you through an assembly line of events, which Jude outlines in his greeting. And some people skip over the greeting just because it is a greeting. But the greeting is very important. The greeting is very important. It would almost be like if I got a letter from Lexington School District 1, um, I did get not a letter. I, I got a phone call from from Lexington School District One, and it said it, it said something about employees of Lexington School District One. Well, I didn't even stick around, or I didn't even stay on the phone for the rest of it. I went ahead and hung up um, because I'm not a I'm not an employee of Lexington School District One, and so Jude is saying. Uh, Sanctified to those of us that have been sanctified are being sanctified, preserved, and called. And I want you to know that once you've given your life to God, God will take you through this assembly line of events, and you're going to see what's next today. Um, God wants to sanctify you. He wants to preserve you, and he wants to call you. Uh, The first thing we're going to look at is the word sanctify. It is a word that means that he wants to purify you through separation. He wants to purify you through separation. Purify through separation. It would almost, uh, going back to the, what we had talked about last time in alluding to the jewel or the diamond, it would almost be the same as the, the jewel or the diamond being taken from the ground. And so it is purified just by the process of separation, just by being taken out of the ground. 
It is made clean just in doing that. Now, that's not, that is the very beginning of it. But God wants to purify you through separation. And so you might say, well, separation from what? God wants to purify you through separation from sin. And so God wants, is going to take you through a process after you've given your life to him that in hopes to purify you from sin. Now, once you have given your life to God, you are not done dealing with sin. Because if you live for God, you know that to live for God is to still make mistakes. Are you saying if you, you live for God and you don't make mistakes? I just want to go ahead and let me see you and, and tell you to leave. Um, okay. Uh, because we're talking to people who make mistakes. To live for God is to make mistakes. Now, we don't just go making them just because. We don't try to. Ultimately, when we trip and fall, uh, it, it is just that, a mistake. Uh, and so we're not talking about the mistakes that you make where... Uh, you hadn't gotten mad in five years. You hadn't, you hadn't lost your temper in five years. And you had, a, you had a conversation with somebody and you just lose it. You lose your temper. That hadn't happened in five years, but you lose your temper. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, those are not the kinds of sins that I'm talking about. Those things will just happen. Those things will just happen. You fall. You make mistakes. Something that's not even really characteristic of you. Something that's not even like you. uh, But you're in a situation and you make a mistake and it's not even really like you. I'm talking about the fact that there are one or two sins. There are one or two things in your life that want to own you. Okay? Now, you have to know. That there are one or two, I cannot say this enough, there are one or two sins, one or two things in your life that if they don't own you already, then it wants to own you. Okay? Now, I've had a drink before. I've had a drink before. I took my, uh, I, I took my first drink. Uh, it was really on my honeymoon. Uh, my honeymoon, we were we went on a cruise to Carnival, and I didn't have to drive anytime soon, and, uh, and I was like, there's nobody around, and, and I, I just grew up in that atmosphere where like everything was wrong, and you couldn't do anything uh, in, in the in the church I grew up in, and so I took I took my very first drink with my wife. It was a Bahama Mama. Um, um, I've had a few Bahama Mamas since then. Uh, but that was my first drink. Now, drinking doesn't own me, nor is it trying to. Nor is it trying to. I bought a, uh, uh, there was some kind of margarita, some kind of fruity thing we saw at the grocery store, and, and it was a six-pack of it. And I remember I bought it. And uh, that thing sat in my refrigerator for... I mean, for months, it was like three or four months and over three or four months, like I drank a half of one one day and then three or four months later, it was like, oh yeah. And then I drank another half one and then we just ended up throwing it away. Uh, it was just, it was, it was taking up space. Um, I need, I need my space in my refrigerator for milk and cereal and, and sandwiches. Um, 
and so it was taking the space. And so even in, but even in trying it, even in trying it, it, it wasn't, it, it didn't have a hold on me. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't trying to seize me. It wasn't even trying to own me. Um, and so I can't say that drinking was, was that for me. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I, I think it's overrated uh, for, for, for one drink. I mean, you can get so many uh, value meals uh, from McDonald's <laughs> for one drink. It's, 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 it's overrated. I'm not sold on it. Sweet tea is still better. I uh, just, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't see what all the hype is about. Uh, but it didn't have a hold on me. But because I am human, there are one or two things in my life that always, if they don't own you, they are trying to own you. For me, and I've, and I've been honest about this, it was pornography. I remember the time when pornography owned me. Now, we're talking about this on the basis that Romans 6 says that we are to be slaves only to righteousness. Okay? Now, we are to be slaves only to righteousness. It is not God's will that you be a slave to any sin. Now, when I say a slave to a sin, I mean that when it calls, you have to come. And there are one or two sins, one or two in your life, and it may not own you, but if it doesn't own you, it's trying to. And you have to identify what those things are. For me, again, pornography was one. I remember the time when, when pornography would call, it was like, oh, are you, you talking to me? Oh, no, oh, no, you're not talking to me? Oh, did you, did you say something? Oh, and it was just whenever it called, I was at its beck and call, and I would go whenever it called. Why? Because it owned me. It owned me. And the Bible says that we are to be slaves only to righteousness. I should only, God is the only one. The Holy Spirit is the only one that when it calls, I'll go whether I want to or not. And Paul alluded to this. Paul alluded to this when he said, that that I wouldn't do, that's the thing I end up doing. The thing that I, the, the, the same thing that I said I would never do, he said, that I do. That I do. And so Paul is having this struggle. Now, he doesn't name what his sins are. He doesn't say what his struggles are. But he lets you know that he has one. And so if Paul is writing the Bible and he has one, then I know that from, from here, from this wall to that wall back there, everything in between, we all have them too. We all have them too. And so, for the most part, you can't deal with it if you haven't identified it. And so, when I say what your one or two struggles are, that one or two things, some of you are smiling already because you already know. And there's some of you sitting there clueless. And so, if you don't, and so, for you, I really feel sorry because you don't even know. You don't even know. You're a slave to something you, you have no idea. Okay, now, that means that you're not struggling with it. It's like, okay, well, I don't really have a, I don't have a struggle in my life. There's nothing. Everything's just easy. Living for God is just easy. Like, there's no struggle in my life. And so, uh, I promised John I wouldn't dance in front of you, but, but oh, well, he's not the pastor anymore, so it doesn't really make a difference. And so, (laughs) 
And so you may be saying, well, I don't, I don't really have a struggle. There's nothing that's pulling on me to that degree. There's nothing that I'm fighting with to that degree. And well, I say to you that if you're not fighting with it, it could be because you've given into it. It could be that you haven't noticed what your struggle is because you're not struggling with it. Because everybody's not struggling with uh, the temper. Some people just give into it. Everybody's not struggling with pornography. Some people are just giving into it. And so you have to know, you have to be pushing against that thing to know uh, that it is a struggle in the first place. And so there are one or two things that desire to own you. They desire to own you. And if they don't own you, then they will never quit trying. They will never quit trying. And there are those one or two things and they are going to constantly come after you. It could be depression. Even when I felt like I had gotten over pornography, here came depression and it was the worst of the worst. It was even worse than pornography was. And every time depression would call me, I would, I would go running. And, it, and, and I don't know what you're struggling. It could be your temper. That when you feel that little volcano rising up inside of you, you don't have the ability to push it back down and control yourself. It could be your temper. It could be anxiety. Anxiety. That being nervous, you can't help being You're just nervous about everything. Nervous about everything. You just have anxiety. You, just, you have anxiety about which cereal to pick in the morning. Fruit Loops or Raisin Bran. You have anxiety. It's just too much. It could be anxiety. It could be, it could be your pride. It could be your pride. It could be selfishness. Your selfishness won't let you give. It won't let you give in church. It won't let you give to people that you see that have a need. You're, so, you're, you're selfish and when you, when you see a need, it's easy to pass by and keep going. And that, that shouldn't be. And I don't know what your struggle is, but I do know that God wants to deliver you from your struggle. He wants to save you from your struggle. Now, again, it's not that you won't sin at all, but that nothing should own you. And so God wants to sanctify you, purify you through separation. The second thing he wants to do is God wants to preserve you. God wants to preserve you. I love this one. God wants to preserve you. Uh, now, by nature of the fact that God is saying that I'll preserve you, or in this version, it actually says, I've preserved you. It is a word that actually means that not only has he preserved you, but he's still doing it. The Greek word is, is, is a word that covers different tenses, and it actually means that not only has he already preserved you, but, he's, but it's, it's ongoing. He's still, he's still preserving you. Now, to say that God preserved me, uh, preserved me means that I can spoil. And so it's saying something about what he's done for me, but it's also letting, it's also God letting me know something about myself. I can spoil. 
And if you've lived for God long enough, and if you've gone through enough things, you know, uh, and, and some of you are finding out right now, that it is possible. And if it hasn't happened already, it can't happen. It is possible for your faith to spoil. It is possible for your joy to go sour. It is possible to go through things and what was fresh in you, that fresh bubbling life in you could go a little rotten. It is possible. And it it may be that you're here right now because you're feeling that in your relationship with God that you just... You're just feeling that, you've, that you're experiencing that and that you're going a little sour. A little sour. You're, it is possible for your prayer life to go sour. Now, you may want to not admit that. You may, you may feel, uh, you may not want to admit, you may want to give off the aura or uh, give off the you know, the impression to, to everyone here and to the people around you that your prayer life, your joy, your peace is as fresh as it was the day you first got it. Now, that could be. That could be. But it is possible to go through something, for, that for God to take you through something, and that through that thing that you've gone through, that you can go a little sour. And maybe that because you've experienced that, maybe that's drawn you here today. And you're not here today because you wanted to meet people. You're not here today because you wanted uh, 10 hugs and a couple of smiles and some, and some cupcakes in the back. You, if, it could be that you're not here for any of that. You're here because you need a little kick. You've been coming up a little short lately and you need a little kick, a little boost, a little jump start to the fire down in your soul. And the thing about it is when something goes sour, it means that it is, it's not just that it has been in an adverse situation, but it has been in an adverse situation over time because spoiling takes time. Spoiling takes time. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking to you if, if you started praying about something uh, last night and God didn't do it by this morning. I'm talking to those of you who have been through things where you have prayed and cried and cried and prayed and you woke up and, and months have gone by and still no answer. Months have gone by and it, it, it could be years, years you're still praying for your husband to come to know Jesus. Years go by, you're still praying that your kids will come to know the Lord. Years have gone by, months have gone, you're still praying about this drinking problem. You're still praying about finances. You're still praying about this or that. And over time, you've come to start to doubt a little bit. It's even affected your praise. Raise your hand if you've gone through something that is, has affected your praise, literally affected your praise. And I've been there. You can go through something and it just, it happens over time. And that doesn't happen quickly. That doesn't happen quickly. And when you go through something for a long time, it is possible to get to the point to say, God, I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm about to expire. 
I'm about to expire. I'm at my wit's end. I've been going through this for a long time. And if you don't do something soon, I don't know what I'm going to do. David said in uh, the 86th Psalm, the 86th Psalm, verse 2, he said, God, preserve my soul. Preserve my soul. I am holy. And I need you. I need you to help me. The 86th Psalm, David says that. He's saying, God, preserve me. I don't, I don't know how much more I can take. I've been going through this. I prayed about this. And I prayed about this. And it seems like you're ignoring me. And I've, I've, I've prayed about this. And I, I don't know how much longer I can take. And God will take you through that process. He'll take you through that process that tests the very expiration date on your faith. And you would be silly to think that your faith doesn't have an expiration. You would be silly to think that your faith can't expire. You would be silly, you would be ridiculous to think that your joy, that your joy can't go bad. And it can. It can. But if you are going through that and you are feeling that, I want you to know that God, uh, the Bible says that word even preserved, it is a word that means that God has his eye on you. It, it, it literally means that God, he knows your shelf life. God knows your expiration. He knows what you can take and how long you can take it. He knows, he knows what you're capable of, what, what you can... He, he, knows, he knows how many straws uh, that he can put on your back before the camel's back is broken. He knows what you're able to go through. He, he, he knows when you're at your end. He knows when, you're, when your tank, when your spiritual tank is on E. And it's so funny, I, I grew up in an atmosphere where you didn't admit that. You didn't admit that. You didn't tell somebody that your tank was on E. You didn't tell somebody that you needed prayer. It, again, it, it, was, it was the old thing where the, somebody would ask you, oh, how are you doing? Oh, bless him. Bless him. Highly favored him. Oh, I'm just doing, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm doing great. Um, uh, my, 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 my child made the basketball team, football, and baseball team at the same time. And, and, um, and we're, we're just doing great. Our, our fountain, for whatever reason, I don't know what Columbia Water did, but all of a sudden our fountain, it just uh, it started, Mountain Dew just started coming out. And so it's just, we're, we're blessed. I, I, don't, I don't need your prayer about anything. Uh, God's good, and, and, and uh, we hadn't really had hard times. Uh, Obama's the best president ever, and uh, just you know, and and it's, that, that that's not realistic, and and that, but that's the type of environment uh, that I grew up in. That's the type of environment that I grew up in. Uh, you didn't ask somebody to pray for you because you thought that if you did that, they would think less of you. And if you are here and you are facing expiration, if you are at the brink of expiration, you need to let someone know. You need to let someone know. I, I, three times, and, I, and I've told you before, three times I made an attempt at my life thinking that I was on, thinking that I was about to expire. I remember, I remember the point, 
It got so low. I got so low. I remember thinking at one point, okay, God was saying, well, you know, I remember him telling me, Derek, I'm just, I'm taking you through this for a reason. Uh, you're, I'm, I'm going to make you better through this. I'm going to bring you out of this. And I remember thinking, I remember actually saying, I remember the day, two days, I remember the day I threw my Bible away. Remember the day I threw my Bible away. I ripped the pages. It was a black Bible that my mom and dad had got me that had my name engraved on it. And I remember the day that I tore the pages out and I said, God, let me tell you one thing. I'm never going to preach for you again. And you can bank on that. I've been through this way too long. You've let me expire. Even if there were to be a change in my life, I said, you've already let me gone bad. You've, you've, you've allowed me to be ruined. And so because of how, what I've gone through and how long I've gone through it, I am no good for you in the future. I remember that day. I remember that day like it was yesterday. I remember it was in the summer and I believe, I so believe that my life was going to end. I remember it was in July and I threw my coats away. I kid you not. It's funny now, but I threw, I had a really nice jacket. It was like a brown, Stephanie, it was like a brown and it had the suede on it. To, uh, uh, like, like the fur, it was brown suede, but the fur had the fur on it to vice. That thing was so smooth. Oh my gosh, I threw it away. I threw it away because I didn't believe I would live to see another four or five months. That, that was where I was. That was where I was. But thanks be unto God that he knew my expiration better than I did. Thanks be unto God that he knew what I could take, how much I could take, and how long I could take it. Thanks be unto God for preserving me. God has preserved me. I am standing before you today because God, like Jude says, has the ability to preserve. God is, has preserved us. And God preserved me. And that same Bible that I threw away, that same God that I told I'll never preach for you again, I'm, 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 I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I'm preaching and I won't stop. And I promised the devil when I did, when I did get my joy back, when I found out my joy hadn't expired. It almost expired, but it didn't expire. I said, devil, you know what? And this is why I preach so hard. I said, I am going to make you regret that you took me to the edge. I'm, you, you will regret the day. Thank you, Jesus. You will regret the day that you took me to the edge. And, and I am going to preach. And that's why every time I preach, I try to preach till hell turns over on its head. Because I think back to the day that I almost, I almost expired. I think back to the day that I almost went completely sour. And God, God preserved me. And don't get it twisted. You're not here. And, and, and all of you in this room have gone through things. And that's why, I don't, that's why I don't play cute when it's time for praise and worship. That's why I don't play cute when it's time to give uh, to God. Nobody has to tell me to give. Nobody has to tell me to lift my hands and praise my God because he preserved my soul. And I don't care what people think. I don't care who's looking at me. It doesn't have to be my song. I don't even have to. uh, it, It doesn't matter. God has been good to me. 
and I am going to praise him, David said, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, God is worthy to be praised. And every, I even laugh harder now. When I laugh, like I really laugh at stuff. It's just because God, had, he's preserved me. God preserved me. He saved me. And if you're in this room, I want you to know that God, that very word when it says preserve, it literally means that it gives the picture of something that is in the oven and that God is standing over it, watching it. I, uh, I have a, uh, on our stove, now I don't cook, but on our stove, we have one of those things, it's a light, you can hit the button, and it's a light inside the oven. And if you want to, now I didn't put it in the oven, now I don't put it in the oven, but sometimes when I'm really hungry, I'll come here and just, you know, and just, and just watch it. I get that hungry. That's crazy, isn't it? And so, but the Bible, that word preserve literally means that while you're going through, while you're in hell's oven, that God is doing this. That he's literally, it literally means to stand over and watch with a close eye. That God, God, God won't let you run out because he is watching it closely. The Bible says God, God is so, he's so tuned into your situation. The Bible says that the very hairs on your head are numbered. The very hairs on your head are numbered. Not counted, numbered. It would be impressive if, 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 if God were to say that the hairs on your head are counted. It would be impressive. It's just impressive to know that he knows how many hairs on your head. But numbered takes it to another level. Numbered means that if one of them gets stuck in a comb, that God knows that's number 465 that got stuck in the comb. The very hairs on your head are numbered. God knows more about where you are than you do. He knows more about what you can take and, and he will not let you go bad. He will not let you go bad. There, there's a, a story in the Bible where it talks about the glass master, uh, the glass master who watches glass. And if you know anything about a glass master, that the glass master, while the glass is in the fire, that he's watching it while it's in the fire. And it's, 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 it's kind of a thin line there because he sees it in the fire. He can't leave it in for not long enough because if he doesn't leave it in there long enough, then the glass uh, it doesn't reflect good enough. But if he leaves it in there too long, just a minute too long, and he can completely ruin it. And so he's sitting there watching the glass until, and this is the point, he watches the glass until he sees himself in it. The glass stays in the fire until he can see himself in it. And if you are here today and going through something, it could be that God is waiting to see himself in you. It could be that he's standing over the top of the stove and all he's waiting for is to see himself in you. God sanctified us. He's sanctifying us. He's preserving us. And the very last thing we want to talk about um, is that God is calling us. God is calling you. He is calling you. He is calling you. He is calling you. It means that God has something that he wants you to do. 
There is no such thing, and we've talked about this before, and I really want you to, I, w- I really want you to grasp this and know this. We talked about uh, us being sheep, and, and the Bible says that we are his, we, we, we're the sheep of his pasture. The Bible says that. We are his children and the sheep of his pasture. And we've talked about this before. There is no such thing as a sheep that the shepherd doesn't want anything from. The shepherd wants something from every single sheep. And if the sheep is alive, the shepherd wants something from it. And if you are here, God wants something from you. There's something that he wants you to do. And for you to not come into that eventually would be sin. It is sin for me to not preach the gospel. Sin. If I stayed home this morning and, 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 and watched football, my team is the Eagles. It's not any good anyway. Uh, but, so I'm not even tempted to. But if I did, if I stayed home and watched football, it would be sin for me to not do this. There is a calling that God is trying to pull you into that it would be sin for you to not do. As much sin as lying. As much sin as cheating. That there is a sin that if you don't realize your calling and and come into what God wants you to do, then it would be sin to not come into that. And you have to ask yourself the question, God, you have sanctified me. You've preserved me. Why? Why did you preserve me? Why am I still here? I could have been gone. You could have easily killed me. I could have gone crazy and didn't. I could have expired and didn't. I could have lost it and I didn't. Why am I still here? I didn't preserve myself. And, and foolish of you to think that you are here on your own, that, that, that you preserved yourself, that by your own, you're just so savvy, you're so street smart, that in spite of all the things you've gone through, that you brought yourself to this point. And, and, and if you are here, then God has brought you here. If you are here, you are here by divine appointment. If you are still alive, you look at it, you go on my, my refrigerator, and there's a list of things that me and Tessa have preserved. Now, I haven't preserved anything, whether it be milk or juice or whatever. I'm not preserving anything that I don't plan to use. There is nothing in there that I don't plan to eat or drink at some point. And if I have preserved it, and and even by nature of the the definition of the word, that word preserve, it doesn't just mean to maintain or to keep from spoiling. It means to maintain and prevent from spoiling for personal use. And when it says God wants to preserve you, that God is preserving you, it means that he's kept you around for a reason. It is because he plans to use you personally. God didn't preserve you so that you could, for your use. He didn't preserve you for your good so that you could just go, uh, so that you could grow old and, 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 and visit Disneyland when you're 60 or 70. God doesn't care about that. He has, he has preserved you for personal use. And if you are here, it, it, it would behoove you to at some point not ask the question, God, what do you want from me? What is it that you want me to do? 
Raise your hand if you would consider yourself uh, a part of the body of Christ. Raise your hand if you consider yourself part of, the, part of the body of Christ. Okay, that's pretty much all of you. Now, we'll get this, and that's good. That's good. Now, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians says that we are all uh, a part of the body of Christ. It says that we are many members, many members, one body, which the term members, that's where members came from. Now, some people, some churches have twisted it, twisted and made it more like a country club membership. But when God was referring to membership and referring to members, he was, he was talking about 1 Corinthians when it talks about that we are many members, one body. Many members, one body. So I, am, I might be a hand and you might be a foot and you might be an eye and, so, and, and you might be a leg or an arm. And so we all... Now, in saying that you are a member and acknowledging that you are a part of the body of Christ, each part has a role. Don't tell me you're a foot but not step. Don't tell me you're an eye but not see. Don't be a hand but not grab. And so to realize that you are a part of the body of Christ, at some point you want to know God, what am I? What am I? Because that would give me clarity on what I'm supposed to do. And so if you have a body part that is not functioning, I remember my, my grandmother, she had a foot and her foot wouldn't step. Well, eventually it was because she had diabetes. And so what did the doctors do? They cut it off. They say, you got this foot, and this foot, it's, it's just there. It shouldn't just be there, not doing what it's supposed to do, not fulfilling its function, and so they cut it off. And so if you, being a part of the body of Christ, what's your job? What's your job? That's something that you should be able to answer. And if you don't know it, that's fine, but seek God about it. But you should, not, you should not go to sleep at night. That, 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 should, that should bother you if you don't know. But, and, and, if you, and if you don't know, again, I'm not hitting you over the head. If you don't know, fine, but ask God. Ask God. When I was younger, I didn't know. I was like, God, what? Uh, okay, I'm on the team. What position am I supposed to play? I remember, think, I remember thinking that I was going to play basketball and use basketball as a platform for Jesus Christ. And, and, and I thought I was going to do that all over the world. Um, I had chances to go overseas and play overseas. And God didn't let it happen. He didn't let it happen. Because he was saying, that's not, that's not the position I have for you. And so he wanted me here, despite the fact that I failed public speaking in college. And so it, it, could be, it could be something that you won't believe. But the Bible says that you're, the Bible says two things. Your gift will make room for you, okay? And so you have to know that to be, ultimately, to be as blessed and to reach your potential in life, your gift will make room for you. That if you don't realize your gift and come into what it is, that to, to be as blessed as you could be and fulfill your life, as much as God wants you to fulfill it, you can't do that without realizing what your gift is. That I could go no higher in life than preaching will take me because my gift makes room for me. For, for 15 years, I did it for free. 
And, and this wasn't my goal that I would one day be paid for it. But I did it for 15, 16 years. 16 years. I've been preaching since I was 21. For 16 years, almost half my life, I preached the gospel just because I preached it for free. I, I, I preached it at a school. I preached it on sidewalks. I, preached, I mean, I've gone, I've, I've gone into homeless shelters and preached. And uh, th- these different places, I would preach anytime I had, anytime I had the opportunity to preach because what else am I going to do? What else am I going to do? That it is sin for me to not do this. And so what you need to realize, what is it sin for you to not do? Now, coming to church is good. And the fact that you've given your life to God, that's all, that's all well and dandy. But you need to come into what does God want me to do? Raise your hand if you know. If you know for a fact what God wants you to do. You know what he wants you to do. And that's good. Most of you don't know. For those of you that didn't look around, that was 99.9% of you didn't know. Now, that, now, I'm not making fun of that at all, and I'm not laughing, because that's fine. But ask him. Ask the coach, what position are you? And I guarantee you, he did not preserve you for nothing. He, he, he doesn't have you here. You're not just here just to be here, filling space. God doesn't need you to fill space. And he didn't save you just because. He has a plan for your life. He, there is a calling on your life. And I grew up in the atmosphere where we felt like the only call was preaching. And if you, felt, and if you couldn't call, if you couldn't, if you couldn't sing and you didn't preach, then there wasn't a call in your life. I remember thinking that. I remember and, and when I was 13 years old, they voted me off the choir. What? It wouldn't have hurt so much. Uh, it, it wouldn't have hurt so much, Jimmy, if my brother and sister weren't on the choir. Like they, I, I went home and I was like, "You voted me off." Like, like you weren't. It was unanimous. Uh, but it, but it pushed me towards my calling. And there, there are those of you that have tried things and it didn't work out. God is just pushing you. He's pushing you towards His calling. That's why the Bible says, Thy rod and thy staff comfort me that God, through his rod and his staff, he will nudge you towards what he wants you to do. But you need to ask him. And I'm going to be praying about that for you. I've actually already started praying about that for you. But please, don't let a day go by. And I I did the same thing for six months. I prayed, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? And don't get it twisted. The day will come. We will stand before him. And you can, and don't do it for me. Again, I'm nobody. But biblically, one day we will stand before him. And the question you will have to answer to God, not just did you give your life to him, but did you or did you not do what you were called to do? And that's nobody else's business but yours. That's nobody else's business but yours. But one day you're going to stand before him. And not again, not did you give your, were, not did you give your life to me and were you good? That's, 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 like, uh, the, uh, that's like the block called go on Monopoly. That's just the beginning. God wants you to move past that and eventually get to the point. And again, you're going to answer to him one day. Did you or did you not do what he was calling you to do? Seek God for that and I'll seek it for you. Let's pray. 
Dear God, we thank you for all of your many blessings. Uh, We thank you for your people. God, help, help our eyes know that they should see. Help our hands know that they should grab. Help, help our legs know that they should step. God, give your people clarity on what you want them to do and how you want them to do it. God, you wouldn't have us in ignorance going through life, uh, never realizing what our role was. Um, Help us to see that loud and clear. In Jesus' name, amen.